feel like sometimes life is really mental. Dude, that's actually a really good name for a podcast. <laughs> Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. She swerved in front of us and made us wreck. Then called the cops and said that we had drugs. And that's when I started to realize that like some people are like just so deeply lost. Hey guys, welcome back to Really Mental, a podcast that we want you to know no matter who you are or what you're going through, you're not alone. I wanted to start off by asking you guys if you could follow us, subscribe, and please leave a review. Today we're joined with an amazing guest, Lexi Brumbach, where we talk about her experiences with being different and growing up and just living her life. I want to start this off, Will, by asking you, was there ever a time where you felt like you went off your path? Definitely. And I think still to this day, going on and off, I think especially during high school and maybe even throughout all of life, I feel like I'm sort of trying on different outfits and just now I've found the one that I'm getting comfy with and I'm, I'm putting on every day. I think back then I would look around and the thing that was hardest for me about growing up was no one gives you a blueprint or like in school, no one teaches you how to be successful, how to make friends because it is different in the big wide world. So I think for me, it was a constant process of trying to figure out how I can make peace with the parts of myself I didn't like. And what it looked like for me as a human, I had a concept of the person that I wanted to be in my head, but that's dangerous because that's the definition of depression, having a concept or or version of yourself to try to live up to and realizing you're not there. So struggling with anxiety and with depression which is part of the reason why I started this podcast with Harry, going through those moments really taught me about myself. And I think you really learn who you are through those struggling periods. They say the definition of wisdom is, wisdom is the instantaneous recognition that a crisis is actually a blessing. And the reason it's a blessing is because throughout all the struggle, you start to realize and take off the parts of yourself that are just so exhausting, the people pleasing. And so through that, I found myself and started to find my path again. An example of that is I remember when I was having lots of success with music when I was 18, I really didn't know how to handle it because the person and the way I saw myself didn't really match up to the things that were happening around me. Like I still saw myself as the kid in school who was like sort of doing the different thing, maybe wasn't the most popular kid. And I wanted to be, you know, that super popular kid. And I had tons of great friends from high school that I still am with today. But that difference in in perceptions of how I saw myself, I really struggled with. And so they say insecure people say insecure things or hurt others. So I had to figure out through the process of probably, you know, hurting some people, saying some things which weren't the nicest, like how to be a nice human, how to make friends. You know, it's a lot about being kind to others. and. Yeah, I think it's about embracing those moments and realizing that's what makes you human. What about yourself, Harry? Yeah, I think high school, you kind of get put into an environment where there's a bunch of people and everyone kind of has to find themselves in this massive group and in your year. And it can be very challenging for a lot of people. And I think a lot of insecurities come up during that time because we're in our biggest development stage of life. And with that, I know my experiences were... 
up and down. There were a lot of times where I was teased because of what I was doing and not even because of who I was, but what I was doing external outside of school, which was modeling, doing external things that were maybe a bit different and weren't really the norm. And I remember at the time I would kind of like just block it out and just take it out on my work and take it out on my different activities that I was doing. But at the end of the day, I just kept reminding myself, as you said, that the people who are saying those things are usually just coming from a place of their own hurt and their own judgment and their own ability to see that they might not be achieving as much as they wish they would have at that point in time, because they look and they go, oh, this kid's doing all these different things. He's doing all these things. What's a way that we can break him down and we can bring him down to where we are again? Oh, by saying these mean things to him. And I kind of, by recognizing that, I realized, oh, they're just coming from a place of actually being jealous and insecure. And if I just compliment them on what they're doing, they usually are just like, oh, what? And they're like, want to get a reaction out of me. But if I just don't give them that reaction, then they're not going to be successful in what they're attempting to do. Exactly. And just as you were speaking then, reminds me why I love this podcast so much, because I feel like this could really help people and give them more of a blueprint for growing up. And this conversation with Lexi is no different to that. I hope everyone listening can understand that if you're listening to this podcast, you are open to mental health and development. And that's a huge, incredible thing. So massive props to you for listening to this. It's a big step. A lot of people never have a stage where they wake up and realize what life's about. So the fact that you're here realizing that growing is important to you and learning more about yourself is, that's incredible. We're going to bring on our very special guest, Lexi, who's had an incredible journey to where she is today. And of course, like everyone has had her missteps. Very excited to hear about that and think it's going to be super helpful. So welcome, Lexi. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to say we have an Amazon AMP show every Sunday at 7 p.m. PT and 10 p.m. ET. Make sure you check your time zones to double check what the time that is for you. We have special guests every week and similar to the podcast, we talk about topics around mental health and identity, but it's a live conversation. So we'd love you to be there so that you can tune in with us and we can hear from you live. Hope to see you there. This week, we have a super special guest. So we're excited for you to tune in. Lexi Brumbach is known for her appearance on Netflix's show Cheer which is about cheerleaders and their journey throughout a competition. I wanted to ask you straight off the bat, like obviously cheer has been a big part of your life. How did you get into that whole area? Okay, so I started cheer when I was about six or seven. And it was around the time my parents divorced and she wanted to like put me into something so that I could like still have fun and like keep my mind off of, you know, what was going on in my world. And Honestly, at first, I hated it because I'd never been like part of a sport before. And so like whenever I'd get yelled at by coaches, my go-to was like quiver and get scared. Yeah, I was very timid and shy. So it was never really that fun. And then I quit for like a week. And then I was like, wow, I actually had friends and I missed them because I'd never really had, you know, kids to interact with before. So I ended up going back and then I loved it ever since. And I was known as the gym rat because I was there every single day. Yeah, it was just like a great outlet for me to like let my stress out. And how would you describe yourself as a kid way back then? I was definitely an odd child. I had trouble like 
making friends sometimes because I was like the weird girl. And I usually would try to hang out with like adults and like, because I, I usually just wanted to like talk about stuff. And the all like all the other kids were like, let's go play house. And I was like, I want to have an intellectual conversation. Yeah. And they're off playing Jenga or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from, do you think? How did you get that maturity at such a young age? It's hard to say. Probably just like my parents and also me being like the bigger sister. My mom told me that I was changing my sister's diapers whenever I was still in pull-ups. I wanted to talk about the gym junkie thing. How did you feel by doing Turin? Like, what do you think that did to influence your life now? I never thought that I would ever end up on a show about cheer. I just, I knew that I was like naturally gifted at what I did. I was always like one of the advanced tumblers on any team that I was on. So just like being in this state of knowing that like this comes easy to me, like it almost made it more fun because it was like a natural like gift that I was aware that I had. I never even thought I was going to go to college until I got a scholarship for cheer. And then I ended up on a show and then life just got insane after that. So hectic. I want to ask before we get into the show, because obviously we have a lot of guests who have had this type of success similar to yours. And it's obviously in different ways. With high school, before you had that point, how did you find growing up in school? Like, was that really tough for you? How did you find it? High school was actually a really, really hectic time for me. I was 16 when I dropped out and I don't know what got into me around this time of my life. But when I was like 16, I started becoming like extremely rebellious. And I think a lot of it stems from me being extremely sheltered, like as a child. I wasn't like able to go do stuff that my friends were able to do. I didn't have a phone whenever all my friends had a phone. Like, you know, that kind of caused me to like want to rebel more. And it became kind of like a trend with just every area of my life. So I would, you know, get in trouble a lot at school and I would like skip a lot because I wasn't in the right mental space to like be sitting in class. I never really thought any of it had anything to do with my mom and dad like splitting up. But then I started learning about like all of the different things that a lot of kids do that have come from divorced families. A lot of it had to do with like abandonment issues. And I was like dating these like asshole guys that like made me feel like I was worthless. And all I wanted was attention, really. So it like, you know, resulted in a lot of like toxic relationships, which affected me like a lot. How did that affect your view on relationships? At the time, I was like, kind of the weird crazy obsessive girlfriend that people make jokes about like that used to be me and I really think it was because I just wanted someone to show me like how much they really liked me or how much they really cared about me it was like a lot to deal with at that age because all you want is acceptance like all you want to know is like people think you're cool or like people like you or but I definitely had to go through all that stuff in order to learn all these lessons, to learn how to be happy with myself, because you can never be happy with anyone unless you know how to be happy with yourself. I wanted to delve into this if you're comfortable. Maybe if you have one on the top of your head, like a story of a time during that time that you were saying of like how you were treated and how that made you feel. One of the things that I remember was this guy specifically... Um, I thought he was obsessed with me because he like played like he was one day, like just out of nowhere. He just, 
I don't remember if it was a call or a text, but didn't even like see me in person and tell me anything. It was just like, yeah, I'm not feeling it anymore. Let's just, yeah, I'm done. And I was like, where did this come from? Like there was no hints leading up to this. And that's when I realized communication is key. Talk about everything, like get to know the person inside and out. So even if they aren't saying anything, you can read their energy good enough to know if there's something wrong or not, instead of being like in an oblivious state and just like thinking that everything's okay, like even if it's not. It's like a list of things that you have to ask yourself whenever you're reflecting on your relationship with someone. Do they make me want to grow into a better person? Do they make me want to try my hardest to become what I truly can accomplish? Are they making me feel worthy? Are they making me feel good about myself? Or are they making me feel like I have no light to shine? Or are they trying to make things a competition? Or are they making you a better person? Or are they making you feel less good and making you have more negative habits even? The more you hang out with someone, you're going to start picking up their traits, kind of taking on the energy that they emanate. It's true, like you do become the people that you surround yourself with, like in one way or another. And that was like definitely another reason why I was surrounded with a lot of other people that were going even crazier than me. So it was like influencing me to like get on their level because at that age you want their acceptance, you know? So yeah, and I started, you know, to realize all of like the negative actions that I had you know, noticed myself starting to do. Do you have an example of something that you're comfortable saying that would be like a negative action? Yeah, uh, I'm just going to be open about everything. Like I was doing like a bunch of really like bad, like dangerous things with the people I was hanging out with. Like it was people that were in gangs, people that were junkies, like people that were just way more lost than I was. It took my house getting shot up for me to realize something had to change. It was like a near-death experience that made me realize I'm fucking up. I need to, I need to change something in my life because the way it was affecting like my family who loved me very deeply, my mom, my grandma and my grandpa were like the main people that were taking care of me. Seeing like how that affected them really got to me. And I still to this day, like feel like really bad about the way that I was acting like being crazy like that that's that's incredible thank you for sharing yeah, as thanks well for sharing it's it sounds like you've had those moments where you have the maturity now to look back and see how it's like made you as a person i want to talk a little bit about cheer because i have to say when was it released was it 2019 no it was the beginning of 2020 it was literally like a couple of days before my birthday that was like a show that now I can confirm last year definitely like gave me so much entertainment. I think the thing that I loved was just like how honest everyone was like there was that double sided thing of like they showed you like the tough parts of growing up and where you're from individually. Can you talk us through the process of how that all happened? Like how did you find yourself on that show? Honestly, nobody really knew like we were gonna be on a show like whenever we all signed up it was like an idea that was just up in the air so we never really knew about it because Monica our coach didn't really know that like it would even be a possibility a couple weeks in 
She was like, so there's a Netflix crew that wants to come down in a couple weeks and come film us. And they want us to have our own show on Netflix. And everyone was like, what? (laughs) She was like, yeah, it's going to be a documentary about our team and our journey to Daytona. And I like started freaking out. I was like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. We're going to be on Netflix. Like what? Just like knowing that alone was like, making me like super excited, a little bit nervous, but more excited than anything. It was crazy like how it just like, it just happened. Miracles just started happening because of that. It's been like a crazy adventure. So, when you're filming and stuff, like what's going through your head? Are you like, this This could be a dope show? Are you like trying to keep parts of yourself to yourself? What's going through your mind? What's funny is one of the tactics that I would do like whenever they were interviewing me was like try to talk really slow because my ADHD wants me to talk really, really fast. And sometimes when I do that, I just keep stuttering and I'm like, oh my God. And then I sound stupid and then I get like in my head about it. I had to like try and figure out ways for me to like get my point across and not make a fool of myself. So I started like talking like really slow in a lot of my interviews. And then I started like seeing all of these people on the internet saying, oh, she's high. And I'm like, we literally were drug tested. Like none of us did anything. Like we were always like getting drug tested. So I'm like- You just meditated. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like if I had no context and I like saw myself in the interviews, I would maybe think the same thing. So I really don't blame them for thinking that. I just thought you were a chiller. (laughs) How did it make you feel that people were saying those stuff about you? Honestly, it takes a lot to offend me if it's someone that I have no idea about. The only like time that I could get offended from someone saying something rude to me if it was someone that I value their yep. opinion. Just random people on the internet, like I honestly laugh at it nine times out of That's ten. That's good. Because um, like, wow, this person is miserable and they have nothing better to do. I'm like, That's sad. Couldn't be me. <laughs> Back to the, like, did I, like, hide certain parts of myself? There's a lot of my story that I didn't share that I just kind of gave vague descriptions of instead of, like, going into detail about certain things. Of course. Just because, like, I've had a really crazy life. And I just don't know. Like, I I was kind of nervous of how, like, they would, like, piece everything together because documentaries aren't always 100% authentic. They will cut things and like put things together how they want to portray it. Yeah, of course. And so that was definitely something that gave me anxiety a lot because they actually did do exactly what I thought they would. Like cutting things and making things line up in ways that they felt like would be better. For the story, for like people to digest. Yeah, so... Like, you know, they made some people look really bad in the show. Even if that person really wasn't saying something rude, they like made it look like it. That must be so tough. And then it has everyone watching Netflix thinking that you're a piece of shit. Mm. And it's like really sad to see like how documentaries can like either make or destroy someone's personal image. In that situation, like does the school get a a final cut, a say? 
or is it just like up to the producer? They were under contract not to make the program look bad as a whole. But for the people individually, if they were acting stupid, that was their fault. <laughs> yeah. They definitely like kind of pushed their limits with the way they portrayed certain things. Like for example, in the show, they highlight me getting kicked off for marijuana. So, fun fact, Daytona was already over and the cheer season was finished. We got in trouble with this one officer that honestly thought weed was the devil's lettuce and I got taken to jail over a roach this big that wasn't even mine. The cop just didn't believe me that it wasn't mine and no one else was claiming it. So he was like, taking you. I guess it had to happen. And the girl whose weed it was got to go home and I had to go to jail. <laughs> and it was terrible. I had to spend the night in there. And it was honestly the nastiest jail I've ever been to. If you were to describe a jail so quickly, sorry, I've never been to jail, so I don't know. What is it like? Okay, guys, this is... This is going to sound really gross. No, uh, no judgment. No judgment. It's just like one little room, nothing going on in there. Has like a bench that you sleep on. And then there's like a toilet in the corner. The toilet was disgusting. Like it was clogged or something. And surrounding it was a giant puddle of secretions. I'm pretty sure it's piss. I don't know what else was in there. But yeah, it was that bad. And then it was weird because like there was this one guy that like was looking into my cell. He was also there serving time or whatever. He was pretending to take pictures of me with an imaginary camera. And I was just sitting there like... What is life? You're like, what is life? <laughs> I know, just like weird, weird crap happens. But on the bright side, they did treat me kind of nicer than I could. So it was me and my other friend that got sent to jail. And then the girl whose weed it was got to go home. <laughs> if it was me, if it was my stuff, I would own up to it. I'd be like, it was my weed. Don't take them to jail. Like She just went home, ate a, probably a lasagna, regular meal, <laughs> lasagna. sat at the table. Yeah. Because they wake you up at like the butt crack of dawn to give you slop on a tray. I was about to ask about that. The food. Okay, everything was disgusting and stale, like microwavables and stuff like that. And like, it was literally like either freezer burned or stale. They did kind of give me somewhat of a special treatment. They gave me powdered donuts. I was talking about like the shitty breakfast that I had like with my friend who also was in there with me. And he was like, they didn't give me donuts. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you had to eat. Like the rock hard sausage biscuit. Like, no, I'm just going to let y'all know. This is when I was in my crazy. I was crazy, guys. I was dating this really toxic guy that had a huge part in why I started hanging out with like gangsters and drug dealers and stuff. Because he was one. But he was very toxic and very manipulative. And he had me like wrapped around his finger. I found out that him and one of my friends had been hooking up. That kind of broke my heart. But then on top of that happening, the girl that I was friends, supposed to be friends with, 
called me to talk shit to me. She was like, you better leave him alone or else blah, blah, blah. I'm going to beat you up, all this stuff. And I'm like, first you're going to take my man and now you're trying to take my self-esteem. Like, what is wrong with you? But at the time, I was a lot more impulsive and had gotten into it with her one day. I was at work and she had came there because she was literally psycho. And she waited in the parking lot for me to come outside whenever I was off of work. She waited for me to get off of work. These people be crazy. She's literally psycho. And like, this is just like the tip of the iceberg of the crazy things that she's done to me. Yeah, she waited for me to get off of work. You know, I met her out there and she was talking all this crap. And I was just standing there because I used to get into fights a lot. And so what I would just do is like wait around for them to hit me. She like kind of like tackled me into the parking lot and like my head like hit the cement. And then after that, I kind of like just saw nothing but red. And like I ended up like pulverizing her like bad like there it was in front of a skate park and like I, I feel so bad all of these kids were like screaming so that happening in front of a bunch of eyewitnesses someone called the police yeah I had gotten home and then my manager it was so embarrassing my manager called me and was like there's cops in here looking for you like you need to go down to the station and make a statement and I'm like okay and then yeah I got an assault charge and turned myself in and I was just there for like a couple hours and then they let me out. That was my first time in jail. It was not fun at all. Like it's literally, it just gives you so much time to like sit there and just think about your life. It can be really aggravating, but in a way I feel like it's kind of good to like not have distractions like not be on your phone like not be around like you know your friends or someone like you just have nothing but yourself and all you can do is think I kind of ended up teaching myself like how to be okay even in dark moments like that and so it like kind of helped me in a way to like turn a really shitty situation into a learning possibility After the show and the success of the show, did these people come back out of the woodwork? Because I would assume so. (laughs) Ah! Okay, so that girl specifically, whenever we got into that fight, she told everybody, her boyfriend, well, her boyfriend, which was my ex, she told her boyfriend, his family, all of her friends, like anyone that was close to her. She even told my friends, trying to get them to turn against me, that I got a guy to beat her up. Because she was so badly injured that she, like, didn't want anyone to know that I did that to her. So she told everyone that I got a guy to beat her up. She did that for three years. And then the show came out. I got famous. And then she went to Facebook, posted, like, the pictures of her face, like, and her in the hospital and everything. And she was like, Lexus Brumback from Cheers, a terrible person. She left me there to die on the side of the road. Like, made it so dramatic. And, like, tried to get everyone to, like, start hating on me, basically. Like, saying that, like, I'm a violent, unpredictable person. And just all of this stuff. And nobody knew that, like, the context. Like, she started the fight. She came to the job that I was working at and waited for me in the parking lot 
even though I like I didn't want to waste time on her. There was another case which was like really this was really creepy and it made me like realize that it's easy for people to stalk you if they want to. But I was hanging out with one of my friends. You know this girl she obviously was having problems with her boyfriend and he was missing and she didn't know where he was. So she thought he was with me for whatever reason, even though I had like a new boyfriend already and like perfectly happy. My girlfriend that I was hanging out with, she had her Snapchat location. And so she was stalking us while we were hanging out at this pool. And we had no idea until like, you know, after everything happened, we tried to go to Chick-fil-A and she started following us in her truck. I didn't even know she was following us until after she did what she did, but she swerved in front of us and made us wreck into her. She had a baby in the truck. Like she's actually psycho. She like purposely made us crash into her with a child in her vehicle, then called the cops and said that we had drugs on us. It was just like, so like nasty. Like, why are you like so worried about someone else and that's when I started to realize that like some people are like just so deeply lost after we got famous we got to go perform on the Ellen show she wanted to buy a ticket to fly to LA go to the Ellen show so that she could stand up in the crowd and yell dumb crap at me and I found that out because her friend who was worried about her told me that Spend that money towards your child. Like, I've never in my entire life met somebody that's so, like, far gone like that. How did you distance yourself safely and securely from those type of people? Because obviously some of them could be quite dangerous. The block button. Literally, and make sure everyone else that you're friends with also has them blocked. I don't agree with, like, picking and choosing who your friends can be friends with. But like in a situation like of a stalker, that someone that could potentially harm you, I think that it's respectful for your friends to not have any contact or have no way of that person knowing where they are. With the show, you get that crazy success. How does your life change? Like, do you walk into the street and literally like people are like stopping you? What's that like? Very bittersweet because it's like really nice to meet like new people that actually love you so much. Meeting kids that literally start crying just to see you. I can't believe that people really like me that much. Like it's crazy. I've gotten to meet so many like really sweet people that genuinely want to see me doing good. And like it's really nice to know that there's people out there that really just want to see me win at life. The downside of it is at the beginning, whenever Walmart was still like 24, like you go to Walmart at like 2 a.m. looking like a crummy bum. And then someone wants to take a picture with you. So you can never go anywhere looking like you're chilling. Yeah, like at first I used to get really self-conscious about it. I was like, okay, I have to make sure I look presentable because I don't want pictures of me looking terrible all over the internet. And then I kind of grew out of it because now... If I want to look bad, I'm going to look bad and I'm just going to take a picture. And there's already so many terrible pictures of me online. Like, I honestly don't think any picture could be worse than my mugshot. So I just kind of tell myself that I'm like, it couldn't be worse than your mugshot, which a lot of people have already seen. So it's really not that big of a deal. You've had this taste of this massive success. Where's your head at with it now? Does that make you want to hold on to it? Like for some people, that's the case. They want to keep building it. Do you want that? Do you want to do more stuff in like TV? Or is it something that you're happy to just let sit as a moment? I don't really know like to where I'm going to go when it comes to like TV personalities and stuff like that. I 
actually recently started getting into acting. It wasn't something that I ever wanted to do. Like, I honestly got so much anxiety thinking about acting. Have y'all seen Euphoria? No. Well, back in the beginning of 2020, I got an opportunity to like be in that show. I turned it down because I got so much anxiety. They sent me this novel of a script that I had to memorize. Just looking at it like gave me anxiety. So I was like, I, I just didn't turn in the audition. I was like, I can't. Like, I, it made me really sad thinking about it. And now I kind of regret it because um, the show is amazing and it's a, it's a beautiful like masterpiece. But if something's meant to be like, it'll be presented again in the future. What you just have to do is you know, prove your work ethic and that you are determined and that you have the drive and the motivation to help them create the vision that they, you know, are trying to create. But you also have to be very, like, true to yourself and what you're okay with doing. If that person doesn't respect what your boundaries are, then you shouldn't have to tweak yourself to fit into a box that you don't think you can fit in. If you're forcing yourself to do something that like is really against what you feel inside, then you're messing up. Fact. I'm really doing it to like prove to myself that I can push out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Because at first I let it like get the best of me and I turned down like a lot of opportunities to be in like different projects because I was just scared and I was like, I can't. Yeah. One of the beautiful things of life is whenever you push yourself out of your comfort zone, you gain something from it. You gain knowledge and power. So I really did that because like one thing that I really like tell myself all the time is that fear only holds you back as a person. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't serve anything. It just holds you back. Like whenever you think, oh, no, I can't do that. Like, that's scary. Like, no. People that skydive, you're throwing yourself out of a plane thousands of feet. You could die. People do it because it makes them feel more alive. It's like proving to yourself that you can push your limits and it makes you feel like a stronger person. It's being comfortable in the uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. There's this method called the Demartini method. And it's a theory that I've been using recently and it helps me a lot with my anxiety. So when I feel fear, the whole concept is like the brain is like a positive and negative balance. And you have to have both. And so whenever you're feeling fear, it's because you believe that what's going to happen, you're going to feel more pain than pleasure. And so by actually listing positive things that could happen, it's actually balancing the brain because you want to sit in the middle. You don't want to create fantasies of like, oh, this is going to be so positive for me. This is going to get me a mansion. And you don't want Mm -hmm. that phobia as well, where you're being like, this is not going to happen. But I feel like that balance where you can acknowledge the pros and the cons of doing something. I've been doing that recently. It's been dope. And I don't know. I think that that sometimes helps too. Even for this call, like, and for, you know, these podcasts we're doing, it's like, if I'm anxious before, it's like, but what are the positives that could happen? Like, this could inspire someone to become an actor, actress, and like, maybe they could be the next big thing, or like, this inspires them to get their life back on track. And that's a huge positive. What you said earlier, it's like the expression, like, hope for the best, but expect the worst. Yeah. Like, it's not like living too much on one end of it and kind of like seeing like, okay, I hope that it goes like this and it could go like this, but I also have to be prepared if it ends up like this and, you know, what I'm going to do in that. It keeps you in a less like vulnerable state because if one of those 
circumstances doesn't happen. You're not like, oh my God, I wasn't prepared for this. That's really important to have that kind of mindset. If we come back in the next 12 months, what does it look like for you? Um, okay, so with like, you know, the acting and everything, that's not where my true passions lie. It's just kind of like a test for myself, really. And also kind of like a stepping stone because with that, like I gain, you know, more money so I can invest into like what I really want to do. And that is like go to art school because I love creating and I love designing things. I want to be like the best version of myself that I can be like artistically. That makes sense. If you could work on any part of your mental health right now, what would it be? I honestly want to start journaling more because I feel like that helps you so much. Whenever you're just thinking about your mental health, some things just kind of come and then leave and then you like forget them. But whenever you journal like everything and just sit there and like listen to your inner voice, like you get to see where you are mentally. And like meditation is good for this. I feel like it's really good to maybe like meditate and then like journal, getting that energy out and putting it into the physical. So that's definitely something that I want to like start doing that I think helps a lot. I have a lot of friends that journal and they like talk nothing but good things about it. It helps you also like to remember like important parts in your life. And whenever you go back and like read like old pages, you get to see like how far you've come from that and like how much you've grown or you can notice if you might be repeating another cycle and you're like, okay, I need to like change things up a little bit. It's a tool that you can use to like help you with your mental state and like the way you go about life. And it helps you remember like patterns and cycles and stuff. Because cycles will always repeat until you figure out how to break out. And the cycles sadly never stop coming, but it's just like you level up every time. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of every breakthrough you have, like you have like a beautiful like epiphany moment. Since life is all about balance, the greats only last for so long and then you have to go through another cycle, but then it's great again. It's literally like a roller coaster and you go through it like the stronger you get and the easier it is to overcome certain things that used to completely maybe consume you in the past. Fact. I think the thing that's really beautiful with your journey and that I can pick up from you is that it seems like you know what you want to do and where you want to go. I think some people in your position would be like, oh, I have to become the most famous person ever or like I have to do everything now because that's what you have to do with the platform but it's awesome you're allowing the things that come your way you're shaping what you do and you're being like I want to do this but I don't want to do that because you you know your end goal and so I think that's really awesome that you're acknowledging that and sort of aiming to get there because not a lot of people have that B place they're just like oh I have to keep trying to get clout (laughs) Yeah, I want everyone to like just chase like what honestly makes them happy. Like if you're chasing like what inspires you and what your passions are and what makes you feel happy, then you will have a happy life. People should never like settle or like try and like do things for temporary happiness. Because if you're constantly chasing clout, then what you're doing is trying to make everyone else happy and you're like just trying to put your happiness in the hands of a bunch of people online 
And if you don't get that clout, then it takes a blow to your self-esteem. It's definitely like kind of a hard lesson to learn because a lot of people that like are famous can let it get to their head a little bit. And then your ego kind of inflates and then you lose sense of like your true desires and like what truly matters to you. And it just becomes like a big clout chasing contest. How did you mitigate that? You guys all went through the same path. How did were you able to go, I actually want to do this. I'm not going to just go solely for likes, followers, all of that stuff. I just believe that like the energy that you put out into the universe is the energy that you will receive. So that's why I always do my best to like give nothing but good energy and like help other people because then they do the same thing. Like I said earlier, like kind of like a snowball effect of positivity. Like whenever you're constantly being like a light to someone and giving them positive energy, it makes them feel good. And then they're like, wow, I want to do that for someone else. It's like makes you feel better by making someone else feel better type yeah. of thing. So that's something that I've always like really wanted to do with my page. And yeah, it's it's hard sometimes because like a lot of people do go to the internet for the sole purpose of trolling or spreading hate or just being nasty people that just want to start drama and get attention for it. I don't let it affect me that much because I honestly was bullied a lot as a kid. So I had a lot of time to like desensitize myself to it and realize that it's not me, it's them. It's sad because like a lot of the other people that are famous do kind of take it to heart. But I just look at it as like whoever is like coming to the internet to like throw hate on people's names and throw dirt and all of the above that person is just so utterly miserable that they want to drag others down to their level instead of trying to make themselves better. And that just comes from insecurities. Yeah. And like a lot of people keep saying that I'm in the Illuminati. Like, I don't even understand the Illuminati. Like, people <laughs> see, I'm young, like I'm really young and I got success at a very young age. And so people see that and get offended because they're like, why do they get it? And I don't. They probably just don't realize that maybe things aren't happening for them because they're online all the time spreading negativity. Because that's the thing, like you get what you give. If you're constantly being a negative person and bringing others down, like you're not going to have a lot of good things happen to you. Fact. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. I think you are one of our like, I can definitely say one of our most honest guests for sure. And it was really awesome because that makes it easy for us to like learn more about you and give you the chance to talk about what you want to talk about. So thanks for the time. And we're super excited to see where you end up going in the next 12 months. I'm sure it's going to be good places only. Very grateful for your honesty. Yeah. Thank you. It was really awesome getting to talk with you guys. Y'all are awesome. And it's always really nice for me to be able to speak with like-minded people. Yeah. Thank Love you. That. Good vibes. Good energy. Today's episode with Lexi was actually one of my favorites. I really learned a lot and her story was really interesting. I think my main takeaway, to be honest, was the ability to learn from different experiences and take things that you have learned to implement them into your life today. Yeah, I think for me, it was one of our most interesting episodes and took some spins that I guess I wasn't expecting and I'm sure you weren't, Harry. And I think that's the powerful thing is one, you never know what someone's been through. And that's, you know, true for anyone we see on social media. There's so much more to the story than we see. I think one of the biggest points I took away is 
You know, again, it's said a lot, yet fear only holds you back. Fear standing for false evidence appearing real. And I think her losing the opportunity to potentially be on Euphoria, just because I know how big of a show it is now and how like it's resonated with so many people, that just really stuck with me because I think one of my fears is I don't want to let fear stop me from doing something I love. I always want to feel like I can follow my dream and put myself on the line. And I think it's tough to realize you're holding yourself back. So if you feel like you are doing that because you're scared of what's going to happen, you're scared of the unknown, what I would say is just take one step at a time and see where it goes. I think sometimes our mind can think the worst thing will happen, but you never know if you don't try and Life's so short that we don't want to live with regrets. So if you're someone maybe you have, you're thinking of asking out someone that you really like, you're not sure how it's going to go, you're applying for a job, just keep that in mind. Today's the time for you to step out of your comfort zone and, and do that thing. Okay, beautiful people. It was incredible having this conversation and thank you for listening to it. If you've made it this far, let us know on our socials and make sure you share, subscribe. And follow us at It's Really Mental, the podcast. And follow Harry at It's Harry Kennedy. And me at I Am Will Hyde. Again, appreciate you. Make sure you send this to a friend because your bestie wants to hear this. I know it. All right, see you, everyone. Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. I just want to end this episode today, Will, by like talking directly to the audience saying like, if you guys are struggling, Will and I aren't like professionals in this field. We're just telling our experiences through stories and kind of just sharing what we've been through. But if you are really struggling, we do highly suggest going to see a therapist and professional help because they will be the ones that can really help you in your situation. Yeah, of course. Feel free to share your stories with us and DM us. We want to know what you're going through, but make sure you take the time to speak to a professional because that's going to give you the most help. That said, we hope that these stories and the people we've spoken to can really help you on your journey to finding that right person, whether it's a therapist or that friend to talk to about it. Make sure you take the time to do that.